This is the Talking Property Podcast, brought to you by Rewed.com, the home of WA Real Estate. Thank you for listening to Talking Property, the show in which we discuss all aspects of real estate. Now, here is your host, Harvey Deegan, together with our expert commentators, Rob Druitt and Rod Bryan. Welcome to Talking Property, everybody, and this is a podcast with a difference. This particular episode of Talking Property is going to focus on the aftermath of the dreadful cyclone that tore through the Midwest of Western Australia, affecting mostly Calbarri and places like Geraldton, Northampton and so forth in that particular area. And we've got a couple of people who will address what has been going on up there. We're still recoiling from the horror of the cyclone up there and what the future might hold for the people of the Midwest, boys. Yes. Very much so. We're lucky to have Peter Sukunik from Ray White Geraldton. I guess as close as we could get to Ground Zero being in Geraldton because it was hard to get hold of him with the power being out and of course by the sounds of it with Calbarry and Northampton being completely closed off. But it's going to be very interesting to hear from him and obviously he's been talking with his fellow Ray White office in Calbarry, able to just get a hold of them to find out what's happening on the ground. Yeah and also in talking to Rob too from, you know, he's a board member with the Master Builders, it's going to be interesting to see what he thinks they can do in regard to the rebuild basically of it and whether things are going to remain the same or what so I'm really looking forward to hearing what he's got to say. Indeed and we shall be back with the first of our guests in just a moment. Our thoughts are very much still with the people in the Midwest around the Calbarry geraldton area in particular, of course, and we thought we might just get an update of what it's like up there, and uh, who better than Peter Sukunik, the licensee principal of Ray White in Geraldton. Welcome to Talking Property, Peter. Hi, how are you? Well, I'm fine, but what about you up there and uh, everybody else in the area? It's been a dreadful, dreadful time for you. How have you coped? Geraldton, we dodged the bullet there, Harvey, and we were pretty lucky. It's our neighbours and our friends up north of Northampton and Calbarry mainly Calgary that took the brunt of it. Our biggest problem only in Geraldton was our power. Sure, we lost a couple of roofs and some trees, but power was a problem for us. There were some 140 poles south of us that were put blown down in the, in the cyclone, so that cut the power off for 66 hours, my wife tells me. What so, sort of an impact has it had on your business and similar businesses in the Midwest? Well, Calgary still had not any power. Uh, they're not doing any business. You have to have identification to move into Calberry to help it. The SES were all up there and the Army's up there now at the moment. Got to made a bit of contact with the Ray White Calberry up there. It's all about communication. They've got no communication, no phone lines. So they really can't do anything. And it's a war zone up there, as you've probably seen on the TV. Northampton's not quite as bad. Lost a lot of roofs. But they're close enough to Geraldton to survive and get stores and goods and that type of thing. But again, they lost quite a few roofs too. So basically, it was a power... That was the biggest problem for Geraldton. No business was open. We never opened until Friday. Uh, the power only came back onto us Thursday afternoon. Dongra's just got their power Thursday afternoon too. That was our biggest problem. Other than that, it was business as normal. Peter, it's Rob here, Rob Druitt at Calbarry for the Ray White office there. It must be uh, very frustrating for them because they'd have tenants uh, in properties mm. with roofs off the property. They can't get that repaired. They've got owners that uh, I suppose are trying to contact to find out what's happening with their properties up there. And of course, when there's no power, the, uh, there is no contact. So you would have been helping out, I'm sure, being a fellow Ray White office trying to, but maybe well, even that was limited as to what you could do to help. Well, it was, Rob. I rang Ron 
got through Texas on a couple of occasions, yep. offering whatever we needed. Um, offered uh, for staff to come down here where we had power, operate at our office, but but they needed up there, not here. Mm. And uh, and they didn't want to leave their families to come and work down here. They wanted to stay in the war zone, which is good camaraderie, I suppose. A lot of vehicles and SES services are going up there. Just the traffic wasn't tourists this time; it was just all our help which was amazing, quite amazing, actually. And talking about tourists, you've got to feel really for the you know, tourist operators up there, they've, you know, they've had all the business to get through COVID and then just as things are recovering and we're starting to see tourists pouring up through the Coral Coast, they're losing their roofs and the, the accommodation's been destroyed. That will take uh, quite a while, won't it? Not, not just to rebuild, but also for them to rebuild their businesses. I don't think some will rebuild their businesses. It's just taking too much over the COVID and everything else. And plus the problem is now is uh, everybody's aware in the state we can't get workers, mm. we can't get waiters, we can't get anything. And that was before the storm. Now it's builders. I mean, you couldn't get a builder now for two years in the Midwest. Priority would have to be given to Calvary, I expect. Mm. The storm's one thing. The aftermath and the repairs and the work that's got to be done is another one. And I'm well, it would be a year or a year and a half the earliest. Uh, some accommodation places got completely wiped out. We can't see any work there for years. It's all up to the insurance companies too. But the shining light is, is uh, the workers up there, the army and everybody has gone up there to help. And that many locals want to help too, but we're restricted at the moment because there's power lines down everywhere, so we just can't get up there. They won't let us in there. It's going to affect the market. The market is zero in Calvary. Uh, obviously, nobody's going to buy anything or sell anything. Shops aren't open, no power, so it's just like, I said, like a war zone. And Peter Rod Ryan speaking, I just wonder, too, with the rebuilding and so on, there's talk that there may be different regulations in regard to what you can actually build. Has there been much talk of that side of things as well? And will you think you might uh, lose no. some people personally, uh, you know, like leave the towns and not come back? I think some of that will naturally happen, I think, uh, Rob. It's unfortunate, but some people might have had enough and mm. so Enough, enough. Is it going to rebuild? Is it time for us to move back to Perth, where they probably come from? And even if they rebuild to get the tourists back there again, it's going to be a long time. I mean, what? how do they survive for the next year, year and a half? Because they can't build it. The, the hotel rooms are gone. The accommodation just completely gone. Caravan parks, well, they might survive, but you can't get them in there till the town's safe. All the donations will come in, hopefully forward, like they do for the bushfires. Calvary and the neighbours, us will hopefully look after them well. Yeah, that's, they just need they need a hand they need yeah a that's hand, horrible uh, it really is yeah it's devastating terrible. for the market because you just think well there is no market really isn't mm. there because there, there can't there's, be any there's, there's no there's no market yeah and, no, um, no, no market at all so it's just it's stagnant there's probably a pause. So you wonder how, you know, you'd need the banks to assist, you know. I mean, obviously they want their interest paid on their loans, but then people are going to be in a position where there's no rental income, obviously can't charge a tenant, hasn't got a roof over their head, literally. Mm. So there'd be no income coming in, and yet the mortgages will still be, and I suppose that's where, I guess, people would be hoping to get some government assistance, and obviously through the donations to get them through that period. And like you say, it's going to be a lot longer than what people would have initially thought, I suppose, for a recovery because of all the difficulties with rebuilding. That's going to be the big problem. Communication is still uh, hard in Calberry, uh, but it's just a rebuilding shortage of tradies, materials. We just got to wait and see, uh, Rob. That's all we can do. But all mm. we can do is uh, give as much assistance as they uh, require. Mm. That's the first and most important thing. Yeah. Peter, what is your opinion of the response from both governments, the state government and the federal government? At this stage, well, I'm not a recipient of it, but from the outside of um, I was actually up there at Port Gregory. I had to drive through Northampton, so I went up to Port Gregory to help somebody recover there at their place. 
and there were that many tradies, SES people in Northampton, I got out of there to get out of their way as quick as possible because I managed a property up there. I could see the roof still on it, so I didn't bother going around it. It looked tremendous. It's <laughs> a good start. There's, <laughs> yeah. Yes. There's um, walls in that bank, so I hope they're still there to help the guys up there. Yeah, hopefully. But, um, no, there was, there was uh, support and generators and tractors and Western Power workers everywhere, so it was great to see. All we even noticed where I was, people were helping out at the place I was at, just, you know, strangers. That we, we, we were, it was mainly branches and trees uh, and that type of thing. Mm. And it was a camping ground. It, um, but, yeah, but the, I think the more, when the power comes on, then they'll get more assistance because um, then people will be able to go out there and give them a hand. Peter, you'll get back on your feet, no doubt, at Ray White in Geraldton and uh, you'll be advertising uh, homes before you know it, probably with the uh, subtitle Renovator's Dream, the way things are going up there. We do wish you all the best, mate. And how do people get in touch with you? Just on the office number, double nine six five seven six hundred. if we can be of any assistance. That's even Calberry, or they need anything in real estate, uh, they need assistance, advice, just give us a call by all means. But unfortunately, they can't because they can't get out of <laughs> a call out of Calberry. I can give you a personal plug because your office manages a property for me that I own with a friend and very competent uh, and very good office there. We've got a property in Geraldton. Have you told Robert so, doesn't uh, have a roof? Or? <laughs> and, <laughs> no, they got they were very good. Your property manager went out there. The first opportunity, I got a whole heap of photos of a whole lot of branches falling down, but no serious damage. Mm. So that was pleasing. We were lucky too, very lucky. Mm. But no, oh, you run a very good office there, Peter. Yeah, and good. all the best all for the future, success. Peter. And we'll yeah, thank you. We'll chat to you again on talking property in the near future. Okay, look forward to it, Rob. Thanks very much, Peter. Are you looking to buy, sell, rent, or find an agent in WA for all your property needs? Visit rewa.com, the home of WA real estate. Rewa.com can help you find your next home with all the latest properties right at your fingertips. For all your property needs, visit rewa.com, the home of WA real estate. To find the right local agent, use rewa.com agent finder to search and compare real estate agents in WA. For all your property needs, rewa.com. We at Talking Property are indebted to rewa.com, our major supporters. We're now going to have a chat to Rob Spadaccini. Now, Rob is a former president and now a board member of the WA Master Builders Association. Welcome to Talking Property, Rob. How are you? Yeah, we're fine, thanks, mate. We thought we'd get you on the podcast to have a chat about what's been happening in Geraldton with the dreadful cyclone, Calbarry and so forth, and try to just get a feel for the conditions that will probably change in regard to building regulations as a result of the cyclone. What are your thoughts on that? At present, Geraldton and Calbarry, you know, they are in a semestic zone, but I'm certain they'll update it, you know, which is probably required because Geraldton is definitely an ageing town. It was you know, established in the 1950s, so it's, it's predominantly fibrous homes with tin roofs, so they never took into consideration when they were building these homes back in the 50s, the conditions that we're experiencing today. So yeah, I'm, I'm not uncertain they would definitely be updating the R-code and actual semestic zone up there. 
Cyclones don't happen very often down that part of the coast, of course. Is this an overreaction, do you think? No, I don't think so. Look, the environment's definitely changing. The seasons are definitely changing. You know, we need to be on the on caution you know, in relation to construction. I believe they need to make sure that, you know, we are building sustainable homes, definitely in these rural areas, and homes that are going to be here, around for the next 50 to 100 years, without a doubt. No, I don't think it's an overreaction, definitely not. Rob, of course you've had a bit to do with those dreadful bushfires in the hills. What changes do you envisage as a result of those in regard to what you can build, what you can't build? Well, there's a fair bit happening behind the scenes already. Look, you know, you do have your bell reports, and these bell reports are getting updated all the time. I I believe they they are definitely needed, you know, um, and they are on the edge of caution. To me, I believe that it's required. When you're building in rural areas, especially high density areas where you do have a lot of dry timbers, trees and so forth, you must make sure that you build a certain amount of distance away from those bush and so forth in, in relation to fires spreading. Even when you're building on hills and so forth with water runoff, you have to make sure that you actually put your subsoil drains in correctly, your leach drains in incorrectly. There's a lot to it, but no, look, I believe the updated regulations are definitely required. Many, many years ago, it was a very simple, easy process to get a building license and build a home. Today, it's very different. There's a lot of forms, a lot of regs, and, and there are codes that you have to fulfil, which I don't think are all correct, but I don't think they're all incorrect. But they are required. Certainly. Rob Druitt here. Getting back to Calberry and Northampton and to a lesser extent Geraldton, luckily there wasn't as much damage there. But certainly in, yeah. in Calberry and Northampton, it's an incredible building market at the moment. You'd know better than anybody how difficult it is with trades. It's going to yeah. be a real challenge, isn't it, to get the town back again? Oh, it certainly is. Look, trades at the moment are very scarce. We're, we're finding it very difficult with trades in, in Perth at the moment, in Geraldton as well. And these are high-density cities. You know, to actually get trades to travel to remote areas like our barrier, and you're talking 600 plus kilometres away from Perth. Mm. So to get a trade to to pick up and leave Perth now and go and work mm. in Calvary. I mean, there's more work than they can do here, let alone in Perth well, that's right. up at uh, Calvary. That's right. Mm. Yeah, and, and not just that, they're getting paid a premium at the moment in Perth because of the supply and demand scenario. There's such a big demand. So trades are, are definitely getting a minor premium to, you know, at the moment to work in Perth. But to shift to places like Calvary and try and rebuild the town, at this point in time, I think it's going to be a major struggle for Calgary. I reckon they've got 18 months to two years before they're going to get back on their feet. But the major problem is not just getting the trades up there, it's also supply of material. Mm. It's also accommodation for the trades. There's no accommodation in Calgary at the moment. Apparently, 75% of the town has been affected by these by these cyclones. And with that, 35% major damage, with 10% unhabitable. It's going to be very difficult to actually house the trades up there they get short-term accommodation, maybe take up caravans, dongers, I don't know, but it's going to be extremely difficult to influence trades to travel over 600 kilometres to a remote area to try and rebuild a town. But you also got the factors of, is there running water in Calgary at the moment? Is there power? Has, you know, has SES been up there and got everything safe again? It's such a big question mark in relation to getting Calgary back on its feet. It is an ageing population. The constructed homes up there, the existing homes up there are predominantly fibre homes with tin roofs, so it's very different construction as well you know and to entice trades to travel why they're getting the premium perth it's going to be difficult you know i wouldn't like to be a resident in cowberry chasing a tradesman at the moment that's for sure and with the change in regulations which will happen and and that certainly makes a lot of sense to make the homes you know new homes particularly able to resist further storms and and cyclonic conditions what do they do with the existing homes is there a requirement for existing homes to upgrade no, no. Generally what they do, they turn around and they leave existing homes as is and then anything that actually goes through building licence and building approval, so they have to make additions. sure they comply. 
or new yes, properties. Go, yep. Exactly. If you're going to go and do renovations, the re- renovations will have to comply. But existing residents, they will not make the update, no. Yeah, Rob, Rod Ryan, affordability issues are going to start to really creep in there then, aren't they? Because, I mean, there's a big Certainly difference will. between having a fibro home with an iron roof than having a double brick and double tile brick. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, the, the structural side will be phenomenal. You yeah. know, and at the moment, we're, we're struggling with steel prices as it is. Look, I did a fair bit of work back in the day in a domestic home too, and that was out in the regional areas in the wheat belt and so forth. And we found back then, you know, it was probably close to 15% premium to build in a semestic zone two out rural wheat belt to build in Perth. So I would, I would hate to put a figure what it's going to cost mm. to build up in Calbarri if they go and change it and give it a cyclone zoning rating. It's going to be phenomenal. I had a discussion with a builder that's building a property for about to start building a property for me. Uh, he yep. said that they're putting the prices up 5%, which yep. I yep. understand, but he said the main reason we're doing it, he said, because we're trying to keep all the trades together. Otherwise, there's so many offers on the table for them to go elsewhere. So there's yep. that yep. is a real consideration at the moment. It is. It's a major concern. Look, the government came out the other day and announced they're literally going to extend it to 18 months to have homes started to have slabs dropped. Yeah. That's probably going to be extremely beneficial to the big guys, without a doubt, because there's mm-hmm. no way we're going to drop over three, 4,000 slabs within the next couple of months. It's just not going to happen. We don't have the trade base in WA. I don't know if you've got but the then, steel either. Mm-hmm. That's right, we don't. We don't We don't have the reinforcing. We, it, mm-hmm. It's un- unattainable, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. So the government's woken up and said, all right, we're going to give you an extension of 18 months, which is absolutely brilliant. You know, hopefully that will definitely stabilise the rates, if not bring them back down to a more realistic rate. Because bricklayers are going absolutely crazy with their $2 a brick and $2.40 for a two-course two face two-course brick. Look, It's a huge increase in the building cost, them. isn't it? I mean, that would add... It is a massive. To a massive standard increase. home, would it add, you know, 10, 15 yeah. grand or something? So 5% is 10,000, oh, so you, yes. go, you can go up to 10%. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's just on one trade. That's just on just one, one trade. That's one trade, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's not, not all the trades. Look, you've got to understand, bricklayers, carpenters, roof carpenters, tilers, you know, everyone's been doing it difficult the last four or five years, without a doubt. And my heart goes out to the guys because it's not an easy industry to be involved in, and it's a tough industry. COVID was good and it was bad as well. COVID, when, when it hit, we fell off the edge of the cliff. Yes. Now, there was nothing happening in WA. It was terrible. So there were so many businesses out there thinking, oh, we've got to close shop. And even trades, they're all thinking we've got to close up shop. Government stepped up. You know, first home buyers, if you were able to get the entire stimulus package, you could get up to $68,000. And on average, $220,000 home, which is generally the cost for a first home owner, right? Sixty-eight grand off the two hundred twenty thousand dollars—that's a major saving. It's huge, isn't it? You know? mm. It's massive. It's massive. The people that jumped on board straight away—they got the benefit of that. There, the full sixty-eight grand, because most goods were still, still, you know, pricing in the rates that were applicable at the time. Mm. The ones that jumped in towards the end of the stimulus package—they're the ones that literally got the inflated rates. But yeah. the inflated rates weren't inflated by the builder. The builder had to allow the revised rates and the supply rates to make sure they covered themselves. Because they didn't do that, there'd be a lot more collateral damage later on with builders going bust. And you don't want that to happen. You want it to be nice and steady. So the government should have maybe put, you know, the, the stimulus package, we'll run it in line with council approvals process. Like, councils gave us two years. So once you get a building license from the council, they give you two years to drop your slab. Yeah. Government should have done the same thing. They should have said, all right, we'll give you two years from your building license. We'll give you two years Makes to drop sense. your slab. 
and it would have been such a nice transition. You wouldn't have had these massive trading increases. It would have been a steady growth. Everybody would have made an extra dollar and everybody would have been happy. Rob, we're nearly out of time, but before we let you go, I seem to recall a few years ago when there was a trade shortage, certain developers got together with councils and training institutions such as TAFE for pre-apprenticeship schemes. What's the situation with that at the moment in Perth? The problem with pre-apprenticeship schemes, they are a good idea. It's finding the kids to do it. That's the hard thing. Most kids don't want to get involved with hard trade jobs. Bricklayers, plasterers, granite workers. Sad to say they're a dying trade. You don't have enough kids getting involved in industry. Even though there's a lot of money being thrown at it and there's a lot of people getting out there trying to incentivize them to come into, into industry, we just don't seem to be getting the numbers. And we are trying desperately to get these kids to, you know, because it is a, it's a, it's, you always got something to fall back onto when you've got a good trade. And trades always make decent money. If you're prepared to work, you can make yourself seventy-five to $125,000 a year minimum if you're prepared to work. So to me, we've got to try and get kids involved. We've got to try and get kids back out there wanting to work in industry. Back in the day when I first started, there was a, probably 30, 40% of my friends got involved in industry. Now today, I'd, I'd hate to think what the percentage would be in a classroom. I reckon it'd be mine. I reckon probably 5, 10% if yeah. that. Words of wisdom. Rob, thank you so much for joining us on Talking Property. We look forward to the next time we chat. Excellent. Take care. Thanks, Rob. Thank you. Well, thanks for tuning in to Talking Property, everybody. Well, that was a real eye-opener, Rod and Rob, wasn't it? Because, you know, we've seen all the images on TV, but the real impact, you don't get the feel for it until you actually talk to people who are right there. You said ground zero around that area. Oh, very much so. And you, you start to comprehend the impact on businesses, you know, that there actually is no market in Calberry, Northampton at the moment. Everything's in shutdown and, and rebuild mode, and it's going to take so long to, to put it all back together. And it's wonderful to hear that the community are rallying together to help one another, and obviously do the best they can with the resources that they've got. It also was interesting to hear that he said that he felt that Geraldton had dodged a bullet. I don't think they dodged too much for a bullet. Definitely Northampton and Calberry you need a pass to get in there. I mean I just can't imagine that. Yeah, very sad times for the people up there, really is. Which sort of goes on to, in regard to what Rob had to say in regard to being a board member of the Master Builders about what's going to happen going forward with the building and that, you know, that they, they're struggling to get all the trades, struggling to even get the power on up there. So, and if you're listening times. and you've got a young person, I'll tell you what, mm. the thing that came through to me was that there are plenty of jobs in trades in the building industry and they're solid jobs they're mm. well paid and I mean maybe never going to be a millionaire but you could be they're presented to you and all you have to do is do your apprenticeship and you, you've got a job for well, life. It's funny you say that because if you look at most of the really successful building companies, they started in trades yeah. as oh. individuals. They Fairly were bricklayers, cool. they yeah. were carpenters and they worked their way up and next thing you know they had their building company and they've been highly successful. That's mm. right, there's one fellow with a trail in his hand called Dale Orcock and he's done reasonably well for himself. (laughs) He certainly has and on that note, thank you everybody for tuning in to this special edition of Talking Property. Thank you very much for listening to the Talking Property Podcast. We trust that you have enjoyed the program. We are delighted to announce that Talking Property has become more and more popular as listeners discover us. Talking Property can now be heard on about 15 podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Australia's iHeartRadio and Podbean. To keep all of our episodes together, download the Podbean app. Once downloaded, follow Talking Property and each new episode will be delivered to your device automatically. Talking Property is proudly sponsored by Rewa.com. 
Thank you for listening to this podcast of Talking Property with Harvey Deegan, Rob Jewett and Rod Ryan. The Talking Property Podcast was brought to you by Rewa.com, the home of WA Real Estate.